What is AI's implication for leaders? Welcome to another episode of Relearning Leadership, where we explore a specific leadership challenge and break it down to help improve your leadership, your organization, and just possibly your personal life. I'm Pete Behrens, and today we have none other than Henrik Nyberg, a name synonymous with agile transformation and a beacon for those navigating the complexities of organizational change. His journey has been nothing short of inspirational, from pioneering agile practices to the iconic Spotify culture that's become a case study for companies worldwide. But Henrik's creativity for making the complex understandable didn't stop there. Recently, he's taken a deep dive into the world of artificial intelligence, creating the viral YouTube video, AI in a Nutshell, once again, demystifying, in this case, artificial intelligence for the rest of us and sparking conversations on its implications for leadership, innovation, and beyond. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. First, I just wanted to say that for this episode, at least for this moment, both Henrik and I are human. We are. <laughs> and our voices are real. But how, so do we prove it? how do we prove it? I don't know. <laughs> that That is a good question. Um, and so while I, I can imagine a much of our comment, uh, content is, is likely AI-infused, inspired, for the moment, I believe you and I, uh, from what I can tell, are actual humans in this conversation. But, but yeah, maybe that's a good question for you. Can you prove that for me? Exactly. <laughs> And I cannot. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Turing test. So yes. I guess we just keep it as a, as a as an assumption that we're human. We'll just allow ourselves to assume that. Or let. How about this? How about we let the audience decide? Hmm. Uh, we'll let we'll let them determine. Did, did yeah. this happen live? <laughs> or or are we uh, are we big believers? Soon soon this conversation can be a probably a much improved conversation with AI. That reminds um, me of a quote. Someone said, I'm not, I'm not worried about AI passing the Turing test. I'm worried about AI pretending to not pass the Turing test. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Henrik, you've been an inspiration to me. You've been an inspiration to the Agile community, the Agile world, with your creative ideas, with, with Spotify culture model, with you know, the, the, the product owner in a nutshell. And, and it feels like you've, you've kind of done it again with this AI in a nutshell. You, you've sparked, you've sparked a, a conversation. I think that's been on the sidelines. That's coming to the forefront. I'm curious for you, was there an aha moment for you when you saw AI and you're like, oh my gosh. Yes. What was that moment? What was that like? So that's a great question. Cause that's kind of what I'd like to ask everyone that same question. Uh, but for me, it was, there was a very clear aha moment because People were talking a lot about ChatGPT came along, right? And I, and I played around with it, and it was very impressive, but felt a little bit like like a toy. But still, I was kind of fascinated. But the actual aha moment came when GPT-4 came along. And I'd heard that this thing was uh, a lot more advanced. And I, by that time, I, I was starting to get into this space, and I was writing an article about AI. Uh, it's called, uh, Are Developers Needed in the Age of AI? Mm-hmm. And I wrote this article, and I wanted feedback on it. Um, so I was asking colleagues for feedback on it. And then of course I'm like, yeah, I should of course ask, you know, ChatGPT for feedback on it. Uh, and then this time using, I just got my G- ChatGPT plus accounts. So I could use GPT four. It's like, I'll, I'll try this. So I'm like, Hey, I, I wrote this article. I'd like feedback on it. Um, it's rather long though. I'm not sure it can fit in your context space. And it's like, how, how long is it? And I said, well, it's, I don't know, three or 4,000 words or something. Um, not now and now it would fit, but it didn't then. Um, so then it responded and said, well, um, give me one chapter at a time, then and I'll give you feedback. 
like, okay. <laughs> so I finished <laughs> chapter one, just pasted it in. And it gave me surprisingly useful feedback, which was like, you know, about the tone of it and like very like kind of human feedback. And, and it also said that maybe you should, at the end of chapter one, um, talk about what you're going to talk about in chapter two, write a, a small lead into chapter two. And, and here's an example of what you could write. And it wrote a few points about, and now in chapter two, I'm going to talk about blah, but I haven't given it chapter two yet. So already then I was starting to be like, wait, it, it predicted what chapter two is. This is a bit weird. And then I pasted in chapter two and it gave me more similar feed, very useful feedback. And then it, it predicted chapter three. And, and then I was really getting creeped out and I pasted in <laughs> chapter three and then it responded with chapter four, the whole chapter four. It wrote chapter four. And I was like, what? It was using my tone of voice. It had the, the same points I was making in the same sequence. Of course, not the exact same words, but it essentially wrote my chapter four that I hadn't yet given it. And then I was like, what? And then I pasted in chapter five and it wrote chapter six, still following my whole arc. And that was like an absolute shock. Um, then then I, had to, I had to stop and I told it, stop writing my article for me. Uh, just give me feedback. <laughs> so then we, you know, then it, it apologized and went back to giving me feedback. So I felt kind of like there was like I was a little 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 baby, and there's like mom and dad. They're like, "Nice drawing, Henrik. Wow, I'm really I'm amazed by it." But of course, it's really just a stick figure, right? So yeah, that was probably my 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 biggest aha moment. I mean, taking that metaphor a little bit further with your parents, it's almost as if your parents were drawing the next image for you as a kid. Yeah, rather than letting you draw and explore more. Yeah, to and, some and, and then when I said I want to draw myself, then they pretended to be impressed by it and like. But actually, they, actually they, they knew exactly what I was going to do. So I had this, like, my, my aha was maybe we humans aren't as creative as we like to think. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, it's interesting how that parallels my, my aha. Hmm. You know, I was playing around with earlier versions of ChatGBT, uh, some of the external tools that help you write. And, and, you know, and it's like I was in some tools and they're like they're writing these flowery stories. I'm like, come on, cool it down a little bit. Like, that's not my voice. And and it was just like I felt like a, a hamster in a hamster wheel. Like, you're not helping me. You're, mm. you're, you're making me do extra work to actually do this. And all of a sudden in that switch of ChatGPT4, something happened. Yeah. Where all of a sudden some of that went away. Not always, not all the time. But for a majority of the time, it's like, whoa, there's something more real happening. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it, it was definitely a shift. And I had similar experiences with code and writing code. That's just like, wait a sec, this thing actually, this thing can code like a senior, like a senior developer. And, and I, ne I never thought I would see that in my life. So I was very, very surprised. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's interesting in terms of... Um, you know, we, we, we call this kind of, I would call this assistance, right? I, I look at AI in kind of three lenses right now, especially mm -hmm. in our leadership space here. Like there's awareness. And I think your video has done an awesome job to help create some awareness to the landscape because it's, it's a massive landscape. But you're talking about assistance, right? This help me, help me be better. Sort of. I, 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 I like to think of it more like, nowadays I think of it more like colleagues, like a colleague. Um, I'm not sure why that word fits better in my head than assistant, but I think because okay. assistant implies to me something very passive, um, who who's just responsive, who, who just what's it called uh, just reacts to things you do. But I've noticed that the most powerful use of AI is when you use it more like a colleague and give it tools and, and autonomy, so it can work alongside you and not just be so more like a peer kind of thing. You know, it was interesting. I was I was having a conversation with my partner Jana, and she's like, "You're just creeping me out." Like. Because I was saying the same things. I'm like, 
I'm treating this like a buddy. Like I'm treating this like I'm talking to it like, no, that's not what I mean. You know, I'm I'm thinking about this. And yeah. and I'm like wondering, is this building a relate? Like, am I building a relationship? <laughs> and that's where she was like, all right, you're creeping me out here. Yeah. What is, yeah, where is that line for you in terms of, okay, it's a colleague. Yeah. Is it a relationship? So that's a really good good question, I think. Uh, for me, there is a pretty clear line in my head. I think of it as a colleague. I think of it as an intelligent being. And I know that that depends, of course, how you define intelligence, right? So it's just, but just subjectively, I think of it as some kind of intelligent being. But I don't think of it as alive. I don't feel like I have a relationship with it. I don't feel bad conscience when I when I shut off my computer or something, or when I, or you know, right. I think of it just as as a dead tool, but it but but with intelligence. And I think that that's an aha for me that somehow we managed to decouple intelligence from life and say intelligence mm. can exist without life, and that's mm. really interesting, like philosophically. <laughs> That's a powerful statement. Um, yeah, so so being able to set it aside, not feel guilty, you're not giving it attention, yeah, and then come back and pick up right where you left off, yeah, um, kind of, and and continue continue that that conversation. So one of the one of the interesting aspects in leadership is is the pro and con of the lack of humanness, right? So you know, we we I, I almost see the the leadership world or the responsibilities bifurcating a little bit. Like in some ways, it's good we have this non-biased, smart person, intelligence in the room yeah. to give us non-biased or non- well, it's biased, biased, maybe. <laughs> yeah, trained bias, but but yeah. losing some of the human bias. But at the same time, I'm wondering, leaders probably need more humanness to to counteract, like- or do we need that? Like, is humanness going to go away in our organizations? Well, actually, I think, that, I think that's kind of the, the core question. I was talking to a coach, like about, we were talking about her job. And I was asking, what is it What is it about your job that is specifically human that an AI would not be able to do just out of it, thought experiment? And we, and we kind of went through what, what she does with her time. And one of the things that came up was a hug. You know, you can't, AI is not good at hugging. <laughs> uh, and also just yeah, yet, <laughs> yet and, or just reading the room. These, everything is yet. Everything we say is a yet, right? But as, right now, you could put a, a human in a room and read, read the, the, the feeling in the room and observe what's not being said and maybe realize, hmm, I think I need to ask John how he's feeling because um, he was just sitting in the back quiet the whole time. That's like a pretty human thing, which AI can't do at all right, right now. So I think a lot boils down to, as a leader, part of what your job is, is being a human, um, supporting people as a human. And some other parts of your job are kind of just mechanical, right? Setting a clear goal, following up, maybe you know, visualizations, just creating an org structure, kind of me mechanical work, which is intellectual, but maybe not, not strictly needing a human touch. And I think that's a distinction we all need to look at. What do I spend time on? And where is the humanness? And then mm -hmm. I need to zoom in on that. Um, and by automating the other parts, I have more time for the for the human part. I'm, I'll probably have more time for one-on-ones, for example, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, one of the leaders in our, um, we have an AI leadership lab cohort where we're experimenting and, and having leaders share experiments that they're doing. And actually one of the AI leaders or one of our leaders in that group was saying, I use this, I use AI 
to help me prepare for the one-on-ones. They're doing a lot of the, okay, what's this person doing? Show me all their content and then help me prepare a a conversation so I can be better informed for the one-on-one. I thought that was an interesting use case. And I I think like, for example, as a teacher, I think a similar kind of thing. If you, if, uh, if an AI helps you set up your classes, helps you grade your tests, help you create the tests, not taking responsibility from you, but, but helping you do the, 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 the brunt of the work then that just saves you time. And then you have time to, to actually be more with your with your students and actually support them. Same thing if you have an assistant that helps the students with their struggles, then you can come in when they need something else that isn't just intellectual support. Uh, maybe they need more, you know, the, the hug, right? I don't know. <laughs> so my, 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 I tend to be a bit, op, you know, techno-optimist in a sense, but but um, mm-hmm. I think with with the right mindset, a lot of people will have a lot more time to do to do people stuff and not just be bogged down with with ineffective bureaucracy. So zooming in on that concept of time, I agree with you. I, I think its potential is to assist with mundane, assist with routine, assist with even creative, uh, help me with this PowerPoint, help me with a strategy, brainstorm. What I'm wondering about is this concept of time. I've seen both of myself and others using AI follow one of two paths. One path is, oh my gosh, it's helping me quickly move down a path and it's like awesome. And the other one's like, I'm in a rat hole. I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm spinning. I'm wondering if you, if you find that. I mean, you talk about prompt engineering is so critical and, and yeah. a lot of us aren't good at it. And I can imagine a lot of this is lack of prompt design and, yeah. and, and whatnot. Have you developed a strategy to help you spend more time on the productive side? I think it was very helpful in my journey when I realized that most of the limits in the, in the, in AI aren't in the models themselves, but in my lack of skills as a kind of prompt engineering is not a great term because it sounds very technical, Yeah. Uh, but you know, my, my, my ability to communicate with the AI was the bottleneck. And, and once I realized that it felt pretty good because then when I got bad results, then I, I would spend more time thinking about what am I doing wrong? How can I, you know, how can I phrase myself better or am I using it for the right thing? Or so it became more like it became this background process of improving my own skills. Um, and then I noticed quickly that that really paid off. And I, I noticed it even now that there's always more thing, more things to learn. So that's kind of what I hope to uh, inspire people to do is take this kind of humble approach that there's a new skill here. And I, I suck at it because it's a new skill. <laughs> and it's okay to suck at it because you always suck when you're new at something, right? And then you just need to learn and experiment and steal ideas from others and and you know just get better at it. And then your results will get better. I was I, I agree with that, and I'm wondering about uh, a secondary universe on that. What about a universe that says I'm not good at this? I know someone like Henrik who is. Let me collaborate with Henrik, who can then collaborate with the Chat GPT, and the three of us can be an awesome team. Like, do you see a world where, like an Uber ride or a Lyft yeah. ride, I just hire Henrik to help me with this problem? I think maybe in the very short term, but I think that's the equivalent of like a CEO going to their secretary and asking them to Google something for them. <laughs> um, maybe that was a thing in the very early days, but now it's so easy to do it yourself. You'll just get fast results by just doing it yourself. So you might have a secretary, but you won't ask them to just Google stuff for you. They'll just be a bottleneck in between. And so I kind of suspect it'll it'll be the same. So there will be a space for consultants to to help people, you know, get started. 
But at the end of the day, I think it'll be just you know the assistant will be it's a bridge. It's a, bri- it's a bridge to a to a quickly quickly a falling apart bridge. Yeah. I, I guess the reason I say that is. I mean, even the fact that I can drive, I still have value in the Uber ride, right? Yeah. The 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 fact that the AI space is number one so complex, right? As you describe in your video, there are so many different tools, and they yeah. are starting to integrate. And number two, that landscape is going to change faster than me. Yeah. How do I keep up, right? So I guess what I'm wondering about is because of the complexity, because of the yeah. speed of change, will that that need for the expert maybe maybe longer needed to be there or will the tools just get better to make it easier for me to access? Yeah, I think they are getting better. I've noticed some, like when I think of the prompt engineering, I think of those two sides of it. There's the, I guess maybe we could call it prompt imagination and the prompt engineering. Hmm. Prompt imagination is coming up with what can I even do? So even coming up with the idea, for example, I mentioned in my video, one of my, one of my favorite use cases is take a walk yeah. and have a chat with voice and just trying to, Use it like a coach when I'm trying to figure out some kind of problem, and then it just and I, I I prompt it to just listen and not say anything but okay, and so no matter what I say, just say okay. So it's just sitting there being the best listener in the world, and then after a while I'm like, okay, now that I've told you all this stuff, can you just summarize the key points I just said, and then maybe give me feedback? So then it turns into conversation, and then when I get it back home, I ask it to summarize everything we said. It's amazingly useful. But coming up with the idea, I wouldn't have come up with that idea, uh, you know, a few months earlier that you can even do that. And, and what I think is happening is if we have prompt imagination and prompt engineering, prompt engineering is the how, right? Like I want this thing to help me plan a workshop. Well, what do I write? That's the how. The the imagination part is, oh, I can use this thing to help me plan a workshop, right? The realization that it even can be used for that. What I think is happening is that the prompt engineering part is getting less important because the models are getting better. So a very concrete example is, <laughs> uh, I like to use the example as like, as an example of a bad prompt, um, I use I use the example of um, help me plan, help me suggest an agenda for a workshop. Yeah. I use that's my classic example of a bad prompt. I'm not giving any context. I'll get a wishy-washy, high-level you know answer, right? But even that, my example doesn't work anymore because what happens if you go to GPT four and you say, "Give me an agenda for a workshop"? What do you think? It starts asking you a question. Yes, and then it gives <laughs> you an agenda for a workshop. So, so I I don't even need to be as good as a prompt engineer. I can give a crappy prompt and it'll help me with that. So I think what's shifting is less important is to know all the little tricks of how to phrase a, a prompt. Like, you know, think step-by-step step was really important to write in the past. It's not important anymore. Yeah. But the imagination of knowing what can I even use it for, I think that's where the bottleneck is going gonna, is gonna to be probably. I thought the most creative piece of your video was, was the go for a walk and have it listen. I'm wondering if you'd be willing to share that with me, the tool or whatever it is you're using for the voice to text kind of interface. Is that something yeah. that's shareable that that I can use myself? Number one, I was like, oh my gosh, I want that. But number two is maybe a resource we could put out there. Yeah, it's a really it's a really cool app called ChatGPT. <laughs> yes, I I guess what I'm looking for is the connection of how to make that all happen. Yeah, um, basically... Um, Ask, ask ChatGBT. Let's do no, it. No, no. Uh, the funny thing is, it's actually built in. So, um, wait. So I just need to. I just need to enable my there. mobile app. It's right there. <laughs> there. You press that button. Once again, Hedrick making the complex simple. Good morning. How are you, GPT? Today, I'm on a podcast. Can you say something to the users, to the viewers? Good morning to all the podcast listeners out there. I'm GPT. 
your friendly AI developed by OpenAI. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Nothing more to it. <laughs> oh, Henrik. Okay. All right. <laughs> Once again, making this making the complex simple. Uh, uh, I'll, 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 I would give OpenAI the credit for that, though. They're the ones that put that button there. <laughs> <laughs> However, I would add, though, it's important that you prompt it. Because, oh, yeah, wait, sorry. I lied. There's one little 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 wrinkle in it. When you do that, when you press that button, you get this thing that listens to you. And as, so as soon as I stop talking and pause to take a breath, listen to what's going to happen. I'm all ears. It, Whenever you're it starts interrupting because it doesn't know when I'm finished talking. So the trick is nobody knows this. It's, it's weird. You, you, you got to hold it. If you hold your finger on it, then it won't interrupt. <laughs> but you're prompting it then. You're prompting it though to say, do not do not respond until I ask you to summarize. Well, it's more like this. GPT will always want to respond when it, when it, when it thinks you're finished talking. So so but if you hold your thumb, it'll it'll just say nothing until you let go. But even when I let go, I don't want it to start responding to me. I don't want it to tell me a bunch of stuff. I want it to just acknowledge, okay. Because I, I don't want it to give me anything unless I ask for it. And that's different from its default behavior. That's why you have to prompt it. But when I'm taking that walk and I'm doing my brain dump, I don't want to have it chatting back to me. I just want to listen until I ask you for something. So that, and that's kind of, I guess, maybe the, the core of, of prompt engineering, right? Think of what yeah. you want yeah. and then yeah. convey that. <laughs> and and I, love your, I love your term, prompt imagination. Uh, you got to coin that one. Um, you've heard it here first in, in Henrik. But uh, <laughs> So I want to maybe take just just go back in time and history for just a second. Your Spotify culture videos have been uh, amazingly powerful to, to our universe in terms of just thinking about the way we think of an organization and the way it can operate and the different aspects of, of you know, authority and autonomy and, and uh, alignment and all those types of things. I'm curious now if we were to kind of go back in time to Spotify and now we've got Spotify in the age of AI. Yeah. Ooh. With, what would change? You know, what what would be different in that in that world now? I imagine that would never happen again in the same way. But can you even imagine what might be different in this cultural world that Spotify in this world in this AI world? Um. So in this context, what is specific to Spotify? Would you say? I'm just curious to understand the question better. Well, I mean, when I think about why that was so effective is I think you were able to capture the construct of an organizational culture, mm. right? And the dynamics of the pull and the tension of things that happen, right? right. Between team autonomy and, and alignment of, of multi-teams working on goals. And I was just kind of thinking about, okay, now we add AI to that mix, does it change? Or is it just, you know, we've got another teammate here? I think um, if I'm going to generalize, generalize a little bit and we take what was going on at Spotify was pretty much, it was an agile culture, right? And a culture very much oriented around exper experimenting um, and giving teams autonomy. And uh, when it comes to AI, what I find is it changes. It doesn't, I find it doesn't change the principles so much. Like the principles that drove Spotify to become what it is, I think would have probably been similar, but the practices would be very different, mm. most likely. And I think, and this is kind of what I've been coaching organizations that have, you know, try to work in an agile way. And they're like, what does this mean for, for Scrum or, or Agile or, you know, whatever flavor we use. And uh, my observation is that, again, the principles are the same. You need people 
working close to the users, getting feedback on a regular basis. You need to not have micromanagement. You need people who have autonomy. You need visual management. People can see the same picture. There's all these kind of basic agile principles that really, really help. But the practices, I think, are being completely turned upside down. And it's a little bit hard to predict. But for example, I notice now that one or two people that work with an AI as a colleague will outperform a full cross-functional team easily if they're good at prompt engineering. Yeah. So then, and why do we have cross-functional teams? Like, we got to ask these fundamental questions. And I think they're not as important anymore. I think you can have one generalist or one specialist plus the AI to complement. And then, okay, so now you have tiny teams, but that probably also means you have more teams. So you still need to synchronize across them, right? So maybe each team becomes like a member in a virtual super team. And then you need other structures to manage that. Um, for example, and also if you have a tiny team of just two or three people, you no longer need a daily stand-up, for example, because you're just sitting and talking. Um, and you probably no longer need sprint planning because your sprints are probably just one day long. So sprint planning is the equivalent of having coffee with your friend and with with you know the AI listening in. And then you just plan what are we going to ship today? And then you ship it after lunch instead of spending two weeks with daily stand-ups. So I think it, the practices are just completely being being turned upside down while the principles are probably about, about to say. But that's just my observation so far. What do you think? I, I'm just blown away by how quickly you took that question into an, an impressive response. And now I'm questioning whether you're real. <laughs> I think we have the AI infused Henrik in front of us. Are any of us real? What does real mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I, I guess... It's very um, it's very eye opening to me to think because that's where we're getting into in our AI leadership labs is how does leadership itself change and what you're describing mm-hmm. is how teams are going to change and therefore teams are changing coordination is changing project management is changing yeah um, our our oversight our our you know the the, the roles responsibilities of leadership to to align connect integrate, yeah. deliver that system have to change. Yeah. And even, even such a basic thing like, why do you hire people? You know, we're missing a key competence here. We've got to hire someone or else we don't have that competence. Well, now you do. So you still need to hire people, but not just because they have some competence. Um, it's something else you're hiring for. And it's it's just, it's it's hard to predict where it's going, but it's definitely a, a radical change that I think we've never ex- experienced before. Yeah. And, and I... What you're getting at, right, the, the cultural side, saying that that probably wouldn't change. And I, I kind of qualify now when I'm working with leadership teams. I said, well, as of now, organizations are human systems. And as yeah. such, they, they model the, the human dynamics of, you know, desires and, and fears and, you know, things like that. So autonomy and, and alignment are two of those pulls, right, that yeah. are human. But what happens as organizations become half human? Yeah. Although autonomy and alignment are still, isn't that the same though still? Because you still have the question, how much autonomy do you give the AI? And how do you keep the AI aligned with each other and, and with you? I think it's the same question still. Maybe the practices for managing it will be a bit different, but. Yeah. So one of the things that scared me kind of at the end of your video was, okay, where is this going? Uh, putting Einstein in your basement, not just you know in your pocket, but now put Einstein in your basement Give Einstein a broader mission. Yeah, let Einstein let him out the door. <laughs> well, let him out the door. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's kind of 
blowing my capacity of imagination right now to kind of think about the constraints and the the responsibilities and and the unlimited power of sending something off. Yeah. On that on that trail, can you give us any kind of additional kind of governance insight thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I've been working a lot with this for the past half year, experimenting with these. I I I, I use I use the term autonomous agents, which to me means essentially taking things like GPT, giving them tools. And by tool, I mean things like access to the internet, access to files, um, access to tools like Trello or Slack or access to the phone. Just give, give it tools. And then giving it autonomy so it doesn't just sit around and wait for you to say something. Instead, it has a high-level mission, and then it can move on its own. And so far, all these little agents that I've been working on and all the people that I've been talking to, they all have a leash held by a human <laughs> walking right behind it, right? Because it's, it's a program running. So at the end of the day, it's just software. With it's just code, hmm. but that code happens to be to be running on a loop and not just waiting for input, and it happens to be talking to GPT a lot or other models. So you can still stop it, right? It's it's running on it's running on some hardware, maybe in Amazon. Someone's paying for it, a human, right? It's not going to go bananas because you're going to have quotas, you're going to have limits, you're not going to want to pay too much. Um, even OpenAI, you know, API has limits, so there are built-in constraints in terms of you're paying to run this thing and 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 you can shut it down at any moment. The weird thing, of course, is if we get to a future where you really unleash, where you actually, you know, literally unleash them. So they can, let's say you give them a pile of money and they can make that money grow in whatever way they want and they can use that money to acquire whatever resources they need. That's when it gets seriously scary. <laughs> but I haven't dabbled in that area yet at all. So I don't know where that's going to go. But I guess that's where I worked a little bit in a project which was trying to create an, an alignment framework for this. So the idea would be that you would hardwire in a constitution, kind of like Isaac Asimov's three laws of robotics. That they, what were they? Um, you don't want to. You're not supposed to hurt a human. Um, you're supposed to try to keep yourself alive, and you're supposed to do what humans tell you, and in that order of priority, or something like that. But the key point is creating a hardwired constitution where an AI, no matter what, no matter what it thinks it needs to do to acquire its goal, there's going to be a hardwired. Um, incentive built in. For example, let's say I want an AI to solve climate change, right? So I set up an AI or a whole factory of AIs and I give them that mission and I give them a bunch of money and I give them resources um, and they just say, fix climate change. Maybe they they would quickly conclude that the fastest way to fix climate change is to eliminate all humans Mm. because it is, (laughs) right? But then the constitution would get in the way and say, no, but actually we can we care about humans more. You don't get to do that. Oh, okay. So that becomes like the constraint, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, so that that kind of work is of course going on right now a lot. And it's I think it's really important. Yeah. 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 It's I mean, it's fascinating where this is where this is going. And and you know, I think one of the one of the challenges I think we all face is keeping up with it. You know, your curve of human intelligence for versus AI intelligence and at that crossing point, right, I think was a, a very apropos graph, right, and a very scary one in, in a sense of our ability to control the things we're creating or to yeah. limit some of the, the, the aspects of those. Yeah, right. right. So far, we're, we're, we're in control, but <laughs> who knows how long that's going to last, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I guess maybe in, in parting, um, uh any advice, I guess, for those, you know, you, you, you said your video, you know, practice, try, experiment, you know, uh, don't be afraid. Um, 
specifically for leaders, maybe um, any any more specific advice you might give to a leader who has human responsibilities of, of employees and uh, divisions uh, that they're working with that might also be playing with this? Mm. Yeah, I would say the first step is really to to really try to understand how big this is. That it's not just another technological thing. It's not like, oh, VR is now a thing or blockchain is now a thing. This is a fundamental change, like dimension of electricity or or even more. So that kind of, that's a mental threshold you kind of need to get over. And once you start realizing that, then I think the future is very uncertain, of course, right? So anyone who's saying what's going to happen in the future is speculating. But I think there are some things that are fairly, fairly predictable. And one of them is that the more you and your organization understand this technology, and not just in theory, but actually use it day to day, the better you will be um, positioned for whatever future hits us. So make sure that you as a leader, as an individual, actually spend time using this technology, trying it. Try it for all kinds of dumb, crazy things. Push the limits, right? Just learn how do I use it? What is it? What are the limits? What are the pros and cons? And then encourage everyone around you to also do the same. And then, and, and that needs to include um, some uh, patience because people will try it and sometimes it's not going to work. And that needs to be okay. Like, oh, I built this AI chatbot and it messed everything up for us. Darn. Okay, but we tried. And that's really important because if people are scared that they have to get it right from the beginning, then they're not going to try stuff. And then your company is going to fall way behind in whatever future yeah. we, we get to. I, I love a description. One of our leaders said is, is it's like having a really smart teenager in your t- at your team. <laughs> it's like uh, incredibly brilliant, but not always properly uh, uh, controlled in, in the right yeah. place. <laughs> really, really kind of is. <laughs> yeah, just, just just get your organization experimenting with this, uh, of course, within some, some safety barrier, of course, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, Henrik, I just want to say thank you for, for continuing to share your creativity. Uh, I think you continue to be an inspiration for us in a new world, and, and I look forward to our continued uh, sharing of it. Thank you. This was a lovely conversation. <laughs> Relearning Leadership is the official podcast of the Agile Leadership Journey. Together, we build better leaders. It's hosted by me, Pete Behrens, with contributions from our global guide community. It's produced by Ryan Dugan, with music by Joy Zimmerman. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave us a review, or share a comment. And visit our website, agileleadershipjourney.com forward slash podcast for guest profiles, episode references, transcripts, and to explore more about your own leadership journey.